Hello out there in podcast land, this is Brian Salvatore, co-host of the DC3Cast, sending you a quick message before we start with this month's show. Uh, there's some good news on the horizon here. We have two episodes coming to you this week. The first one, well, let me back up a little bit. We were supposed to do one podcast with about an hour, hour and a half of discussion, and then a 15-minute phone chat with Scott Snyder, writer of Batman. However, we had a nice little turn of events where Scott got chatty, and we talked to Scott for well over an hour. So what we're going to do is we're going to release an episode today, Tuesday, that is going to be just our discussion on Convergence and the Divergence previews, and then we're going to be back tomorrow with a whole other episode just as long of us talking Batman with Scott Snyder. And let me tell you, that Scott Snyder interview is a doozy. It is fantastic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the first half of the DC3 podcast for this week. Enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Three Cast. Now monthly, with me as always are my two DC Bros, Vince and Zach. So, um, before we get too deep into the show this week, um, how does it feel to be done with Convergence, guys? <sighs> <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know if I'm speaking for the group here, but I had extreme fatigue set in. In about week six or week seven. Yeah, well, and you know what? I've just decided that that is what happens with every single event we're ever going to read. Um, Convergence, uh, for anyone that has been reading our weekly recaps, um, Convergence was, for my money, the strongest event that I've read out of Marvel and DC you know, since I don't know, uh, Blackest Night, or maybe even on in Marvel, I liked uh, Spider Island, but um, but I found it to be the strongest event, most in I the most interesting tie in titles uh, that I've seen in a while, and even still, by that like fifth or sixth week, it was just a slog to get through because it's all about the same thing, you know, like <laughs> it doesn't matter what you know, books, the tie-ins were supposed to tie into action comics, detective comics. It's all convergence to me and it really weighs on you after a while. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, we've been doing weekly recaps of DC books for, 14 for over months. a year now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's not just that convergence it's over. We, you know, yeah, we've made it through Yeah, all of it. Yeah. And that number did not occur to me until I read our article and the thing that Brian tacked on there where he was like, we've been doing this for over 60 weeks. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, we, and you got to realize that we did the weeklies even during Futures End Month. Yes. So, we were doing, so we were doing three weekly books. At that, point, at that point, it was two. Two weekly books plus all those tie-ins. So yeah, mm-hmm. we've been through the ringer here, guys. Um, but let's quit burying the lead. Now, I would say that if there's a spectrum of convergence enjoyment, 
if we're talking about the main title, which is where I want to start, Vince is at one end, I'm in the middle, and Zach is at the other end. Um, so, Zach, let's be positive to start. Um, why did the main Convergence title work so well for you? Really, it's the same reasons I liked Futures in. Um, it was just weird and just totally out there. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know if I would even... It's weird that you say that I'm the positive one because, you know, Vince just said it was one of his favorite events between of Marvel and DC for quite some time, and I don't know if I could say that. Um, I'll say I really enjoyed it for what it's what it was and kind of had lowered expectations going in. And I, I think maybe that's why I enjoyed it a little bit more overall. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It it was better than I expected it to be. And I think maybe that's what it comes down to. I mean, I'll certainly echo the better than I thought it was going to be argument. Um, you know, the three of us have been doing this long enough that I think it's easy for a cynicism to creep in. And I, you know, hearing, you know, uh, I'm saying, you know, a lot here, hearing, Greg Rucka coming back to the question. You know, that's a super exciting thing to hear, but then you also hear Scott Lobdell doing Blue Beetle, and at a certain point, it just all becomes noise, right? It's, just, mm-hmm. it's all going to... It all just becomes, well, let's let's see if they can put their money where their mouth is. And the answer so frequently is, well, they can't put their money where their mouth is because there's nothing to put there. Whereas this time, they kind of did. I may not have loved what happened, but I feel like the event had a beginning, middle, and end, Things are different now than they were before it started. And while we may not see the effects week to week or month to month, I feel like this event changed the landscape of DC more than any event I can remember in the recent past. Yes. And, you know, another thing for me, I think, is that there was a fine line for me for whatever reason, between the main series and the tie-ins, um, I kind of almost viewed them as two separate things. And maybe that kind of shaded my view too, because I overall didn't enjoy the tie-ins very much, I would say on a whole. See, that's so, where, that's where yeah. you and I differ, Zach. And that's where, Brian, that's where your idea of the spectrum probably comes in. Because if you're talking about the convergence, the main convergence title, the nine issue the zero through eight uh issue series i found myself struggling to get through that every week and i just wanted to get to the tie-ins and yeah there were some clunkers in the tie-ins and there were some that were absolutely inane but uh for the most part i found myself surprisingly enjoying them more than i thought i would and a handful of them were outright great so i think that's clearly where zach and i differ um, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Um, Vince, was there a disconnect between you and the actual story told in the Convergence Weekly, or was it more just the way that the way the story was presented? You know, was it the story itself or the way the story was presented that gave you trouble? Well, it was I think it was the I think the key to my distaste for the the main series was that 
initially, I would say the first two or three issues felt like just an extension of uh, Earth 2 World's End to me, which by the end of that 26-week journey, I was so ready to get off, you know, and it just continued to follow these characters that, that to me were pale imitations, whereas the rest of Convergence contained versions of these characters that I was interested in reading. These were all versions of in Earth 2 characters that I'm like basically done with at this point, like was done with once James Robinson was done with them, I think. Um, I think that's my problem. And then beyond that, um, just like Demo showing up as as the main villain for a while, and, and I'm just reading it, and I'm like, "What? Like, why is it him? And why? Like, why are we spending time with these characters?" And then you know, then I would say the last couple issues when it was um, a little weirder than that, and a little more expansive as far as the the characters that you got to see, it definitely picked up at the end, like the last issue number eight. But of course, it's also because of the way it ended, and and. I don't know if you and I differ on that, Brian, but I love where Convergence left us um, as a publisher, you know. Um, well, let's talk about that for a second. Um, yeah. So if you had told me going into the event, hey, it's going to end with essentially the most expansive version of the multiverse being in play, I'd have like hugged somebody. You know, I'd have been so happy about that. But the more I think about it, I don't know how much we're going to see of that in our comics weekly, monthly, even yearly. I don't know if this is lip service to the multiverse being back in play or if we're actually going to see the multiverse back in play. I I have a few optimistic things to say about that. Go for it. If, if, you want, if we want it right now. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of things that have me like really hopeful for that. Um. One is the um, Jeff Parker, Travel Foreman, Justice League Unlimited preview, um, which I know you guys read as well, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, you know, spins pretty much directly out of Convergence. And, you know, I talked about it in my review. It kind of takes almost like the Hickman Avengers world twist um and applies it to justice league and on that last page there's you know the big spread of all the heroes and there's a few like curious things like that are pretty obvious like captain carrot is on there so mm -hmm. obviously there's some you know, some interplay with the multiverse going on there um which isn't surprising he's a really popular you know he's arguably like the breakout character from the multiversity Right. You know, and so that's not surprising. But then I was reading and there's some other interesting things in there that could just be, you know, artistic choices or just things that we haven't seen yet. But there's like um, a Guy Gardner who looks more like the Justice League International area, era mm -hmm. Gardner. Um, there is a Wonder Woman that is in a different costume than the new costume that wonder woman is supposed to be wearing and like a few discrepancies like that like i noticed the the lex luther looks way different than looks way off model compared to like the current lex luther so it kind of has me thinking well maybe this is gonna be jumping around between different places that's a big maybe um because i think a lot of it may have just been 
miscommunication on art, maybe. Well, Um, let me just interrupt for one second. I do think that we're going to see more of that type of thing in general. And by that, I mean, I think we're going to see characters looking vastly different book to book. Because if you think about it, in Wonder Woman, she's wearing one costume. In Justice League, she's wearing another. Oh, that's another can of worms that I would we can talk about too, you know, and, um, and like the justice league thing. Yeah, justice league has the old versions of wonder woman, superman, and batman, even though their new, their monthly books have them doing, doing totally different things. So I don't know how much of that is multiversal versus, um, right. Just, you know, the Publica- new public publishing date or something. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, continue Zach. I'm sorry. Well, the, the other thing is, I don't know if you guys ever watch any of those DC all access videos, Every now and then. Um, try not to. Every uh, yeah, every now and then, if I see one that somebody like posts or tweets out or calls attention to, I might watch it. And I just happened to watch one yesterday that was an interview with Dan DiDio. And at the end of the interview, he said something along the lines of, "Oh, we'll just wait until you see what we have coming in October," which makes me think that maybe in October we're going to get kind of like an you know another wave of books that reflect convergence a little bit more. That would be great. And I think that if, if they really are going to do a more, uh, a line that better represents the multiverse, then I'm then, then convergence did everything I ever hoped it would do and more. And so if we're looking at the result of it, then this is the best event DC's done in 20 years. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so I got a couple things on that. We had this exact conversation in a, a previous <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, DC3 yes. where, where I believe it was you, Brian, that said nothing in the post-convergence lineup of titles that we already knew about, like the Midnighter, Bizarro, that wave. Mm-hmm. None of them really reflected the the multiverse or the multiple timelines or uh, the hyper crisis, whatever you want to call it. Um, and at the time, I said that's fine; they don't have to. Just knowing that those characters are out there somewhere and they're still, you know, that that like to me, that's actually worth something. You know, it, it may be lip service, sure, okay, but. But it's worth something to me to know that they're not, you know, that they're going to revisit these things eventually. It's going to, they're going to do their next event where someone sees into the multiverse and we're going to see all these characters again. You know, it, it happens every five years. And just to know that, because your fear at the time was that this was going to be the final closing of that door. Right. And I'm so glad they didn't do that. And and whether we get any new books or not, um, and I believe there was some speculation that um, uh, what Mystic U is gonna. Of course, that's being retooled, right? But right, I think we were speculating that that might take place on a different Earth. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll we'll see about that. And then um, what Zach said about what Didio apparently said in this DC All Access thing. I think we're going to see select bits of multiversity because I think it's the most excited that fans have been in a while 
about books that didn't just star Batman and Superman. I mean, to me, it gives the possibility of the best of both worlds. And the example I'll give, which will come as a surprise to no one, is the the Marvel family. You know, every opportunity that DC has taken to update the Marvel family has failed in one way or another. I would say that the John's Justice League backups were the most successful, but I still wouldn't call them necessarily successful. And to be able to do a Marvel family book on Earth S and have it so that every now and then those characters can come across the multiverse and team up, to me that is incredibly exciting. You know, there are certain properties that just work better when isolated. doesn't mean Shazam can't be part of the Justice League. It just means that there'll be a different version out there. And I don't know how many books the market can sustain from that. But if there's five or six books that operate in uh, in alternate places, that's incredibly exciting to me. Yeah, and I think DC is ready for... I think they're ready to admit that people can handle different versions of these characters being in different books. Because if you remember when the the New 52 launched, they talked about how everyone was getting these new costumes that were going to be the same throughout every book. What they're doing in one title is going to be reflected in what's happening in another title. There were tons of crossovers. There were like way too many crossovers <laughs> when the New 52 started, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, just this week alone, did you guys read Batmite? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten to that one yet. Okay, right. But but if you if you look at Batmite, um, the art's great, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, what what version of Batman is that? I have you know? no idea. Exactly, and, and you know yet, what? It doesn't matter, right? But but I'll, I'll even add to that the Hawkman spoiler: the Hawkman at the end. That's uh-huh. like beginning of the new Fifty Two Hawkman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. Not you know, completely not even the Justice League of America Hawkman, like the Savage Hawkman, Philip Tan Hawkman. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, so so I I think you know, people give Didio a lot of crap and, and rightly so, you know, for the most part. But the thing that I think he is not is he's not a liar. I don't think he's a liar. I think when the new fifty two started they thought that that was the best idea for a reboot that they could have presented to everyone. I, I think they really believed in it. You know, they weren't trying to have it both ways. They were saying this is what it's going to be going forward, and it was. And it just ended up kind of blowing up in their faces after a while. You know, and so now when he tells me that that story is going to trump continuity, and every door is open. You know, that might not mean that every pitch makes it through, and that might not mean that there's not going to be editorial mandates along the way, because Lord knows there's going to be. There's going to be events that come in and screw everything up. But we're going to see books like Bizarro, where, like, what what Jimmy Olsen and what Bizarro is that? You know, that's not the same Bizarro that, you know, is paneling around uh, with him is the one that we saw and was that in Justice League that didn't... yeah the Forever Evil yeah Forever Evil that's or right. the Justice League United has Bizarro in there as well yeah 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 so so not 
these characters don't have to exist on this strict timeline where everything they're doing is accounted for, um, you know, and their costumes all have to match. And, you know, I feel it's going to be a lot looser and freer. And I think that's what we saw as early as this week, whether any of these books were truly from the multiverse or not. Yeah, I mean, if we talk about just Justice League number 41, the book that was released today, you know, um, the Superman and Batman reflected in there are certainly not the Superman and Batman we've seen in their solo titles. The Lex Luthor in there does not appear to be the Lex Luthor from the Batman-Superman preview from Divergence we saw. Um, You know, I don't know if this is just supposed to be that they're trusting us to not be confused or if there's something more at play here. I'm hoping mm-hmm. it's the former. I'm hoping that they trust us to be able to, you know I mean? Like I can watch the flash on TV and then read a flash comic and not have my face melted off when they have different hair color. <laughs> like, yes. you know, it's not crossing the streams and ghostbusters. I, this is something that we can handle. Right. They're about to do it with their films for crying out loud. With, exactly. With the flash, you know, you want to know what I'm a little afraid of in sure. regards to that? Um, you know, the the latter scenario you gave, that there's just something that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Isn't that basically what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm... I really I don't think this is going to happen, but I'm kind of afraid that Dark Side War is going to be kind of yet another, you know, kind of universe-defining event in the way that Convergence was. And it seems like so soon, having two things like that so soon after each other, mm-hmm. you know, it's just over, it's kind of overkill, but it it almost kind of seems like this is happening. It seems like one of those situations where this is a book that's happening before, at the same time that like the aftermath is happening and this is showing you we'll later find out that oh all of this happened after dark side war right and yeah that's things what I was are like say. this because blah 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 yeah like even you know even the new 52 earth involvement in convergence was quite minor so this could yes. have been happening relatively concurrently with convergence yeah that wouldn't be the the most crazy thing we've heard today. All right, so let's kind of wrap up our convergence thoughts here. Um, let's go with best tie-in from each week. So, uh, Vince, what was your favorite tie-in from the uh, pre-Flashpoint week? Um, I'm gonna have to. Why don't you go first? Because I'm gonna have to. Okay, sure. Yeah, I I have all my, I have my my uh, I have actually RDC three columns uh, pulled up here, so I can do this. Um, Sentimentally, it was the Speed Force book. I would say, actually, it's the question. Um, Zach, what about you? I I have a very similar caveat there. Sentimentally, for me, it would be Superman. Um, and if Lee Weeks had been on the art, been the artist on both issues, I might have stuck with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have to say, overall, question as well. Yeah, I guess I would say the question too, and then I'll throw in a sentimental favorite, the Adam, because that, especially the way it ended, it ended up being like basically Adam porn for everyone that was <laughs> that felt spurned by what had happened to 
both major versions of the Atom, you know? Yeah. So, so that one, that one worked really well for me, but, but, um, yeah, the question was the strongest title, I think. Okay. Uh, zero hour a week. Uh, Zach, you can start us off here. Um, probably the Green Lantern Parallax one. Yeah. To me, it's between that and Superboy. Um, Let's see. I'm gonna have to. Sorry about this. That's okay. That's okay. I, I didn't know. We, I didn't know we were doing the week by week thing. Okay. Um, to me, the uh, Superboy. Yeah, Superboy was the most um, interesting looking one to me, and and that was a week, a uh, uh, not a strong week for me in general. And so I think Superboy was the one I most enjoyed. See, what's interesting to me about that week is that that would seem to be, like, if I were plotting out which one will I enjoy the most, I thought it would be that week, uh-huh. and it wound up being the week I enjoyed the least of the four weeks. Um, See, I think, I think I'm kind of the same way with the first week. That was the one I expected to enjoy the most, and I think overall I ended up maybe not liking it the least, but liking it a lot less than I expected to. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're on to the uh, Crisis Era books. Uh, I freaking loved the Justice. I mean, the, sorry, the Green Lantern Corps uh, tie-ins. I really, really enjoyed those quite a bit. That was my favorite of that week. Um, Zach, what about you? Let me pull that one up. Okay. I Vince, can't remember. Do you have yours ready I, pulled up, Vince? Yeah, my uh, mine was Hawkman, which is interesting because. I'm I don't have a lot of affection for Hawkman, but with Jeff Parker and writing it and Tim Truman drawing it, I would read that book all day. Yeah, it's hard not to love that. Yeah. I mean it was like I, I use this word entirely too much in my reviews, but it was like a swashbuckling comic, you know. I mean yeah. Hawkman and Hawkwoman just swooped in, you know, it was like joy it was like joyful. <laughs> violence instead of like gritty savage hawkman uh era violence you know it was it was it was just fun you know and that's what i'm looking for in a, in a book that's traditionally boring and i'll then, also throw a little bit of love towards wonder woman oh you like that i did like that a lot yeah yeah i, I thought i liked it too i thought it was really weird i i had like no expectation for that whatsoever i think that's part of why i liked it was i i didn't expect anything from it mm-hmm um, uh, I'll throw some love at the Flash too, mm-hmm. uh, just because it was so different from all the other Convergence titles I read. Uh, did you read that one? Yes. So it's like it was re- it was really like slow paced and ponderous. Um, the fight that ended up happening uh, between him and the the Earth whatever Superman I don't know what Earth that was the Tangent Earth yeah the, yes the Tangent Earth yeah. Uh, it was it was like a a mental battle more than anything else, and really, it was the title that was most about the superhero psychology of what an event like Convergence would do, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And on that level, I I found it really enjoyable. Zach, I would probably say um, Swamp Thing from that week. I could see that. I liked it a lot. That one felt very of the time period. Yes, it did a lot. And I really did like um, 
you know, I appreciated that they had Wayne come back um, to write it, but then that they had Kelly Jones doing the art um, when they got to the um, the Red Rain, Batman Red Rain mm-hmm. stuff. So, it, you know, you kind of had two creators, one creator from each property that was being, you know, converged, yeah. which I really appreciated. And it just worked. Like, you know, those two, like, Jones was the perfect style for that kind of story. And, yeah, I just liked it. And uh, that brings us to the pre-crisis sort of multiverse week. Um it, to me, this isn't even close. Shazam, <laughs> Shazam, yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how perfect was that? Was that book? It was the best. I, I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about Shazam, like just think that we've had three different, um, three different takes on Shazam in as many years with just the best creative teams in comics. Yeah, and, yeah with Johns, and, and yet Frank. you can't get an ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. John's and Frank, Parker and, and Shaner. Shaner. And then and, Morrison and Stewart. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Wow. But you know that when when the movie hits or when we're <laughs> gearing up for the movie, you know there'll be an ongoing then. My and it will be it will be terrible. It'll yeah. be the new fifty two Shazam. It won't be this Shazam. Like to me just to have the Marvel family there. And Bullet Man, you know, it, just, it was, man, it was so great. Um, I really liked Booster Gold, too, though, see, I, which I talked a lot about in the yeah. reviews. Mostly because it just completely took the, the tie-in formula and threw it out the window. And it was basically just Jurgens telling the same, continuing the Booster Gold story that he's been telling for, you know going on almost a decade now through just different venues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do we have a consensus on what our favorite week was or favorite era was? I I thought the farther it went back, the better it got. So week four was mm-hmm. kind of the best for me. Like I, I really, agree. I really enjoyed the plastic man too. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was good. Yeah, Justice Society was good. I yeah, thought I like that a lot. Do we want to talk about Infinity Inc., Ugh. Brian? <laughs> I hated I hated the second issue. I still haven't read the second issue. I'm I'm actually I'm very behind. I've only I've only read a couple. I've read all the ones I had to I had to cover mm-hmm. last week, but I, yeah. I I still haven't read the rest of them. Hopefully that will be rectified uh, in the well, next couple days. You, you got your comeuppance on that one. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> You were you were really high on the first issue. And I did. Lost. I really liked it. You know, I I really liked Ben Caldwell, yeah. um, and it was cool seeing. Kind of in the same way, I'm really excited about Doctor Fate um, pairing Levitz with Lou. Yeah, I was really excited about Infinity Inc. pairing Ordway with Caldwell. Um, but then the second issue, Caldwell wasn't on there, and it kind of just went off the rails and was pretty. Yeah. I I will just I, I just want to say this because I feel like um, ethically I have to. It really bothers me that for the later two weeks they didn't reach out to artists of those eras that are still working. 
and mm-hmm. instead went with modern artists because there are plenty yeah. of artists and they had plenty of lead time on this. There are so many people that could have done, that could have revisited these characters and it would have gotten a more nostalgic. Look, who the fuck is buying Infinity Inc. other than us? <laughs> I mean, really, it's not like it's this this passionate fan base. So put a you know a uh, a fan favorite from thirty years ago on that book, and you might sell a few more copies. You're not going to sell any less copies. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not. It's just there, there's a certain base level of tie-in purchase number. You know, and what whatever that number is doesn't matter if I'm drawing it or if Bill Sienkiewicz is drawing it, but if if you can get an artist who works well with the property, who's a classic artist, I think you can potentially bump that higher. And at least Doc Shaner and people like that can replicate the era, mm-hmm. and not and not in a not in a uh, insulting way, mm-hmm. but in a you know no we are honoring yeah. the tradition here. And I just felt like some of those books, like there was no reason to have the art look as modern as it looked. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like Winslow did a really good job with that on the Crime Syndicate. Yes, series. I love that, his that art. looked very of the of the time. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree completely. Uh, I mean, I, I think you know, for all the bitching and moaning that I've done about this, I, I think I'm with Vince on this. I think this is probably the best. The best, but I'm leaving this month with the most positive energy, or this two months rather, than I have left any other big DC event in the recent past. See, that my only thing there is I I consider Multiversity to be an event, and I put that one up pretty high. Okay, see, to me, that's not an event. That's just just a miniseries, but I I understand the discrepancy there. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But no, I I I did really enjoy it. Obviously, you know, I threw a lot of praise its way. And one of the coolest things that I really didn't even think about until later—I mean, I talked a little bit about it, but it really didn't weigh on me as much—is just how much of a you know this is the thirtieth anniversary of um, crisis. crisis, and it really did. Um, pay homage to that and i even you know i even mentioned how and whether you know whether or not they even run with this at all but there's kind of like the mirroring in how crisis you know you had the earth 2 superman and um lois and superboy prime and um alexander luther kind of became the you know they were like thrown off and you know, they were like the, the the saviors or whatever. Right. Um, and then, then in Convergence, you had like a really similar group with kind of similar characters, but with, you know, like Parallax and, um, and Pre-Crisis Barry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which, you know, you you have that like mirroring, um, which like granted, it, you know, they saved the day off panel, whatever. But I don't. I just really, I really appreciated that, um, and I was. It wasn't something I was. Again, it wasn't something I was expecting at all, yeah. and I appreciate that. Can I open up a, just one hypothetical can of worms here before we move off this stuff? Definitely. Um, does it to like? Okay, so imagine for a second that you are uh, Jeff Johns. Okay, you know you're you're in your your palace of DC memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and all this, 
do you feel in any way like the events of Convergence undo or undoes the work of so many talented creators telling these big crisis stories over the past 30 years? No, if anything, I think it validates them more. Um, Cause I've seen that online a lot. I've seen people really angry actually. Yeah. Uh, feeling like, you know, Hey, you know, infinite crisis was this great thing and we've undone infinite crisis now. Um, See, yeah, I think that comes back to the the argument that is always raged anytime there's any kind of reboot that, you know, the stories I love don't matter anymore, mm-hmm. which is really kind of silly when you think about it because they still happened. You can still enjoy them. And in the case of Convergence, I would say now they matter more than ever because they even though they retroactively didn't happen, it <laughs> it's after a event that chronologically takes place after all of those other things happening. Like all of those other things had to have happened to lead to us even, to where we are to get to convergence. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, I can see why someone would maybe be upset about that, but I, I think I would argue that maybe they're just coming at it from the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach's point was going to be my – his last point there was going to be my exact point. Like, yeah, okay, so the ramifications of Crisis on Infinite Earths might not be in play anymore. But that that still had to happen to get to where we are today. And um, if you're worried – I mean, the fact that we had Crisis in, of, uh, on Infinite Earths to begin with – you know, it made changes that undid somebody's work before. And then the next crisis undid someone else's work. And the new 52 undid a bunch of other people's work. And people said, these aren't my characters anymore. And other people said, well, your comics still exist. You can still go back and read them. That's, it's nothing but another, you know, four or five years later. And it's the same story. So um, their reaction to convergence is very much the same as someone's reaction from the new 52 that said, now all my Superman stories are in the toilet, you know? <laughs> so like, I mean, it's, it, it is, it's the same thing. And, and I guarantee you that some of the people that were railing against the new 52 for getting rid of quote unquote, their versions of the characters are happy now that they get everything back, even though this event technically got rid of something that happened in these prior crisis crises 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 crises. crises yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know what I'm saying, though. Like, like with every new event comes work that happened in the past being undone. This is just another case of that happening but it's like the butterfly effect you know it's 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 changing something from the past but we still know that that stuff in the past happened mm-hmm. yeah i agree I, the, the one argument that holds slightly more water to me is just that no matter what like like no matter what's in play all that matters to a lot of people is how that is used and so whether or not technically 
things happened or didn't happen or things are still in play or not. Like, you know, technically Static Shock is a character in the New 52, but you oh. wouldn't know it. You Did know, you see that thing on Bleeding Cool today? Yeah, how they pulled or... them off the JLU lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but like, but again, like you know, that character technically has been part of the New Fifty Two since the beginning. We haven't seen him since twenty eleven, though. And so, does it really matter that he's in play if we're never going to use him? And I think mm-hmm. that's people's argument that why undo all this stuff if it's not going to actually be used? And that's the argument that I can understand the most. And. That's the argument I'm most interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the simple answer to that is that it's better to have everything exist than to completely shut the door on something. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. But I guess others might not see it that way. I mean, I don't know. We're we're closer to pre-flashpoint era than we've been since the new 52 started so i see that as a win you know like yeah not even like we're closer to everything than you know they you know basically the new 52 is not even a thing anymore yeah um so i wish i could remember where i read this but dan didio said something uh in some interview about how um all it takes to undo a bad storytelling decision or um, some sort of cataclysmic event that affects a comic book is for the next writer to be a better writer and come in and you know and change the story. So I think the thing that we need to learn every time one of these events happen is, and it kind of ties into what you said, Brian, about Static Shock. Um, you know with all of these things existing out there, even if we don't see them, they exist. And like you said, static shock exists. You wouldn't know it. Although that could be a legal issue, but right. You know, there's no saying that, that these things aren't going to be used again down the road. All it takes is a writer that has a really strong pitch for it. You know, maybe the reason why we haven't seen Cassandra Kane in the universe proper since, um, since the new 52 started is that the right pitch hasn't been made yet. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's as simple as that now anyway. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute. Make sure to check out the other podcasts that are part of the multiversity family of podcasts, robots from tomorrow, which comes out every Monday and Thursday as well as The Final Issue, which comes out every Tuesday. Those are some great podcasts. Enjoy. Okay, we are back with a discussion of the Divergence previews, the eight-pagers that appeared in the second month of uh, Convergence titles. And I think before we get too far into the discussion of the actual previews, can we all agree this is the best idea DC's had in a very long time? Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it sold me on books I didn't think I wanted. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it's what they should have done with the new 52. Yes. But, it, you know, if the rumors are true about that, they didn't know what they were doing until right before publication for the new 52, that they rushed that out quickly. Whereas this seemed considerably better planned. Yeah. You know, that the two-month break, whether it had anything to do with this 
or not, you know, considering it also had to do with convergence. And the move that across really, the country. Yeah, the move across the country. That really worked out well for for readers, anyway. Yeah. I think that maybe that's part of the reason that these are so well-received, too, is that we had a break from the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. nice. And, you know, that's that. that's interesting, because, like, with TV shows, you in seasons, comics are moving closer. We've talked how they're moving closer to the season model, and you do get that break between seasons. Whereas with comics, there's still, even if you get a new number one, it was preceded by... The old number 12 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. the previous month. Um, So you never really get that downtime. Maybe it would actually be beneficial for every book to take a month off. Not the same month off. Mm -hmm. But maybe, you know, if Batman got a month off each each year, that would make sense. I don't know. But anyway, um, so eight pages, uh, probably just enough to tell the stories. You know, I, I don't feel that too many of them... We're stretching to fill those eight pages. I think in more cases than not, I could have dealt with a, a page or two more. But I think it was an appropriate length. It it kept the cost down, I'm sure, for printing them within the Convergence titles. Uh, I did think it was odd that there wasn't a better pairing of, of new title to Convergence title. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have made sense for a Superman preview to happen in a book that starred superman but well seemed... now doomed doomed did happen in superman so that's a pairing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean a couple of it, it, you know i think there were a couple of bat books that paired but that's also because there's just more bat books than anything else um but overall i i really enjoyed them what did you guys think yeah i thought it was a tremendous idea i mean I I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I could just tell from the tweets I was seeing how well it was being received, how much better it was being received than the new 52 um, based on these previews. I mean, and, and I guess the, the other good thing about it was that, uh, yeah, there were some clunkers as there always are. There's always going to be, you know, five or 10 books that are just not very good in, in, at Marvel and DC, but the the thing about them was that for the most part, those were ones that you were already expecting to be the same as they'd already been. You know, I mean, uh, like Red Hood. That that was just an extension of what you already knew a Lubdell Red Hood was going to be. Right. You know, so the the surprises were pleasant, and there were very few negative surprises this time around mm-hmm. i'll agree with that uh was there a um events i think i think i saw you say this either in an email to us or on twitter that you felt that this was more like the new 52 launch than people were willing to admit oh yeah 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 i'd love to talk about that go right um, ahead please yeah so so what i find interesting is that to my eyes, and maybe you guys will disagree with me, but the slate of titles that we're getting um, just by like title and base description alone sound like exactly what they were going for with the new 52. Like if you'd have told me, if you'd have replaced Mr. Miracle uh, with Cyborg when the new 52 started or um, some of the mystic ones, um, 
like uh, Justice League Dark or um, or vo- or even Voodoo. Some of those. Uh, what was that line called with Voodoo and Grifter? The Edge. Edge. The edge. Yeah, if you'd have taken some of those Edge titles and replaced them with Bizarro and Batmite, it like. To me, there's no difference between the general premise, you know, like when the New 52 started, it was trying to be more diverse. Um, There were some outside the box books, you know, I'm thinking of OMAC too, you know, like Bizarro could be the new OMAC, you know, essentially. I mean, to me, there's not much difference concept wise. What's different is the approach that DC's taking. Like we already alluded to, it seems like they're being more patient they're promising that there won't be the editorial dust-ups. So, like, to my mind, I don't see what's so different about this and the New 52. And people might be misremembering, but um, when the New 52 first launched, I think for the most part it was pretty well-received, right? I mean, like, it was it was well-reviewed, it wasn't until I mean there were again there were some bad books obviously, but it wasn't until the editorial dust ups and some of the strange changes that happened out of nowhere you know seven eight months in that people started to really sour on it. Yeah. Does that sound accurate? Is that how yeah, you guys it, remember it? Was, it? it was less the quality of the books and more the behind the scenes stuff that was going on. Yeah. 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 I, I will I will say this. I will say that I think this is a weaker lineup of titles than the New Fifty Two had. You but think that so? was well, but here's here's why, because that was coming from a slate of nothing. And so I remember I had a Word document on my computer at, at work that had fifty two blank spaces on it. And every day I would check the news and adjust my list and guess things. And, you know, I think we were all guessing things like Shazam book and once it was announced that Cyborg was going to be part of the Justice League we all thought a Cyborg book was happening you know and I feel like some of these titles while they might wind up being interesting like until I read the preview I could not care less about the Omega Men like that was the title that, that, that meant nothing to me whereas like a title like Blackhawks where I didn't think I cared I knew enough about the property from DC history to care a little bit. That I, I, just, I just think overall, if you were to look at the list of titles, taken apart from editorial business, taken apart from uh, creators on them, just the books themselves, I think I'd have been more excited about the New 52 lineup than I will be this lineup. See, I think I'm, I think I'm kind of the opposite. Um, because I I feel like I was a little bit more excited about the new books that were announced for the Divergence, DCU, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, compared to the more, you know, left field titles of New 52 when it was first announced. Um, so I just you go know, back to the, things like... The Blackhawks, the Men, Men of War, things like that. But I go um, back to, like, Mr. Uh, Mr. Terrific... Hawkman, Static Shock. Like those are books I think that DC is dumb for not publishing each month. Mm-hmm. They turned out to be shitty books, but that's not the fault of the property. That's the fault of the creators that were put on them. Yeah, and I guess maybe, you know, maybe it it's hard for me to gauge having 
been through the new 52 Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to you know separate my feelings for that you know it may be different if i was given two lists at the same time yeah with no knowledge i don't know i I was so amped for that mr terrific series (laughs) i I love that character (laughs) you know and then we got that abortion of a book you know it's just absolutely terrible and uh yeah so i don't know um so let's talk about go ahead sorry vince but you understand my point that the that conceptually i mean oh exactly the same yes yeah yeah you know i mean they're still they're still saying the same things they said about diversity and it's showing up in the books and it's great um I uh, i i will say i think that there's also they're not publicizing it as they're being lines anymore but you can see where the lines are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I that would be an interesting exercise too to try and sort them out into those. Those new fifty-two. That's your, that's your assignment for next month. Lines. Yeah. Get on that, Zach. Okay. I'll get on it. <laughs> I, I am... love sorting. <laughs> I am pulling up DCU checklist. Seeing if it exists, <laughs> and uh, there, there is, there's that one that they ran in the books. Yeah, that has yeah. Wonder Woman on it. I'm trying to see if I can reach any of those books that would have it in there. I think I can. Um, but anyway, we're digressing here. Um, is there a particular uh, preview that stands out to you as the best of the previews, or uh, you want, do you want to go week by week again? Do we want to pull up our our coverage here and go week by week? Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've got them up. Okay, Vince, so why don't you start with with week one, the week we just actually saw released in print, except for there was no Prez or Red Hood Arsenal or Section Eight no, or Doom. Starfire or Doom. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think they actually correspond. <laughs> no, or Detective Comics. Okay, so yeah. forget that. But yeah, of those books, well, Midnighter was the standout for me, um, and that proved to be, for my money, the best book this week um i think it combines the the diversity angle that so many people want with uh a title that is worth reading regardless of whether it's whether it is diverse or not you know um it's got a quality creative team steve orlando is a great writer um aco is or aco how do you what is it is it aco i have no idea I'm just going to say Aiko um, is a great artist. I think it's it was about time for him to be on a, a monthly title. I think he did some of the fill-ins for Wonder Woman, and um, I always thought those issues looked great. Uh, that was Brian Azzarello's Wonder Woman. Yes. Um, and and the fact of the matter is is that it embraces um, the the diversity angle. Like full force, like you read that book. There were dudes it, kissing. Yeah, there were dudes kissing and and doing more in between yes. the panels, yes. which which was awesome, if you ask me. Um, as far as pushing pushing envelopes that need to be pushed forward, um, and yes, it it is like an overly uh, violent title too, which I know some of us are sick of. But in this particular case, you, you can't really do this character any other way, right? Agreed. Yeah. So, so they're they're pushing all the buttons that they're supposed to push with a character that is supposed to be pushing them. 
So um, I thought it was great. There were no half measures basically with this book. And um, that's what I want. I want from my big two titles, I want as little uh, compromise as possible. Uh, Zach, what was your favorite of the the week one previews? Um, Midnighter was really high up there, but I think just a little bit more I liked um, Detective Comics. Now, Vince, you didn't like which, that. Yeah, which I, I, I wanted to bring this up because <laughs> I want to talk. I want to hear why. I'm sorry. Um, I, uh, how can I put this tactfully? Since um, when we, are we tactful? We, <laughs> yeah, no tact. I want since, to hear the since we, since, since we went monthly, we have to be a little more tactful. I feel. Um, <laughs> I we've talked about the Flash before the yes. the Manipol and Busolato Flash or Bucoletto, mm-hmm. um, and how I was uh, other than visually, I was not a fan of it. I think. The scripts were overly wordy, um, and I think they were just dry and boring. And I find the same thing true about Detective Comics, so much so that even though the art looks great, I'm having a really tough time actually reading all the speech bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that's – I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like – No, I – you know, I I agree with you on on – in regards to flash because uh-huh. i i you know i read probably the first arc and really wanted to stick with it for the art but just couldn't you know like it just uh-huh. didn't grab me um whereas with this it didn't i didn't feel that as much okay um, and maybe i'm bringing something to it some baggage to it but that's just the way yeah. i feel. i mean i i read it and i feel like oh this is like clunkier than it needs to be and i'm well ba- and i just Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say the thing I really liked about it was, um, you know, uh, one, I'm kind of interested in seeing the new take on Batman outside of Snyder's book a little bit. Um, for some reason, I'm, I just think that's really interesting in and of itself. Um, but I'm really excited by what seems to be the more like almost kind of Gotham city central vibe with the emphasis on Bullock and, and, and not, you know, the, the officers. I mean, the cynic in me says that's, that's Gotham related. You know, we had talked off mic before about, about certain other decisions that DC is making being based around their television properties. And I feel mm-hmm. like Harvey Bullock has never been a more, zeitgeisty character than he is right now yes oh. which i really like the character so Me i'm too yeah i'm i'm glad to see him getting that push um and i'm you know really interested to see how that plays out and you know it might not go over well the interesting thing that i think i've noticed um just having one week of books out now and comparing them to the previews is that um the well for for instance i wasn't as like into the omega men preview as i think you guys were well i love that yeah but i love the first issue it was probably my favorite book this week um 
So, you know, it, it will be kind of interesting once it's all said and done to see how, you know, because there's a big difference between telling an eight page story and a 20, 22, whatever page story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so who knows? I, I was going to say the Omega Men was my favorite of the previews for this first week. Uh, but I'm also a huge Kyle Rayner mark. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not all that surprising mm-hmm. that I would, <laughs> that I would love that so much. Um, even though you know, obviously, it's all about his execution. But <laughs> but I, I did think it was it was quite good. Um, I was not as thrilled with Prez as I hoped I would be that first week. Oh, I liked it a lot. It was it was a lot less overtly like slapsticky than I expected it to be. Um, it kind of had a lot more of like a dark humor to it. Like I, I was, I, I was kind of confused when I was reading it. Um, and may, I don't know if this is like my fault or like the a fault in the storytelling, but like, so you had those, two guys who were playing the the Thanksgiving video game where they were killing turkeys or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if the, we were supposed to take like, oh, this is a mistake. These drones aren't supposed to be attacking them. They think this is like a training thing or if there was like a malicious intent by the people who were organizing that. I, I wasn't sure of that either. Yeah, frankly, I don't remember what I thought of that, or but um, but I I liked it because it was so. I mean, we say this a lot about books that kind of go off model or away from the house style, but but I thought more than any of the fifty odd titles that DC is publishing, Prez felt like something else entirely. You know, it feels like it, it, it might as well not even be a DC comic, you know, that's fair. And uh, I, I appreciated that about it so much. I mean, I was reading this and I'm like, what, like, why is DC publishing this? You know, like (laughs) in a good way, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And it also didn't fall um, into that trap that I feel like a lot of, of the hipper DC books fall into, you know, hip with quotations, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) of like really dated youth speak, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it didn't have that. Um, it, it felt like it sort of at least knew what it was doing. Yeah. Are, are, we, are we confident moving on to week two? Sure. Yeah. Uh, to me, this is and forever shall be the Dr. Fate week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that looks really good. Let me see what all was in there. I'm probably going to agree. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's between that or Deathstroke for you, I bet. Yeah, I Zach, love that Deathstroke. <laughs> Zach, I think you, you made the comment that this could be DC's Miss Marvel. Yeah. Which is a is a, um I thought it was perfect when you said it. And then since then I've seen, so either you're a trendsetter or, um, <laughs> or, or, or other people are making that connection too, because I've seen it said in social media that, Oh my God, this could be DC comics, Miss Marvel. 
And uh, Alice from the site even said that. Um, mm -hmm. Well, it and, just has all of those those same trappings. You know, you have a really um, interesting minority character with a family kind of driven tone, um, really interesting art style. Um, yeah, I just, there are a lot of parallels there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I hope it's not seen as being derivative of that. Mm -hmm. Although I think that the cynic in me says maybe it is a little bit derivative of that, but that's a whole yeah. Thing. But, you know, I think I think the reception so far is so positive that people won't care one way or another whether it is, you know. Yeah. Even yeah. if it is, it's more of what they want, so... Yeah, absolutely. Other than that, this second week, I, um... Action Comics, I thought was quite good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, Cooter, man. Well, Cooter's just he the just, best. He just... Should we, should we talk about that first issue coming back? Yeah, we can do that for a second. What do you think about that issue i i <laughs> i really liked it but i have a nitpick okay e every once in a while I, I would say like every few pages there would just be a line where superman says like hell yeah or something like <laughs> yeah, that yeah i do agree like, with that it, it doubled down Which... a little bit on being being like like zach said hip and new you know and like like i like the core of what it is it's like grounded done well you know yes yes it's it's grounded done well or it's um um like an extension of Morrison's uh folk hero Superman. Mm -hmm. Right. But then yes. but then just every once in a while it doubled down a little bit too much See, about you know, I'm gonna kick your ass or you know. Yeah. I I kind of and may this is just me reading it this way, but moments like that I think of like if you took like corny Christopher Reeve Superman and tried to make him like edgy, <laughs> that's how, and that's how I read that. And it works. But see, I would much rather him say funny. I've never seen garbage eating garbage before. <laughs> then I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But that's just me. You know, uh, um, that week I absolutely disliked Aquaman. Even though I love Trevor McCarthy as an artist, I think he's really, really talented. Mm -hmm. That that scene, I think it's the one you used as the image for the review. The, your, your king is pissed? Your king is pissed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not quite a bitch-to-be-you bad in terms of DC dialogue, but it's not that far off. <laughs> or Green Lantern's got this. You know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of within those same lines yeah but it's just yeah. it, it's a stupid looking costume uh it's a to me like i i don't get this obsession with having heroes in bad relationships like it doesn't make sense to me that these heroes would have to be terrible you know love interests for each other well it's really interesting because if you if you've like looked at some of the comments the dio's made about it mm-hmm he basically has said on multiple occasions that like healthy relationships aren't interesting. Yeah. Which makes me just think like, how's his home life? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That was, that was quite bad. I mean, this week in general was pretty weak. Uh, you know, it, it had both Batmite and Bizarro, which I think both worked. I, mean, I haven't finished reading Bizarro. I started it, but I think both those books read better as eight page previews than as, Full issues, um, perhaps. Yeah. So, so Batmite, um, 
Brian, you said you read Batmite. I did read it, yes. Let's talk about that. Um, I love that there's a book that looks like this because um, whether it's whether it's Batman himself or the Batmobile or just like the goons that Batman's chasing down mm-hmm. in the story, it, it has a very animated series feel to it. Like so much so that I feel like it's almost evoking Bruce Tim at uh-huh. times. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get through the book today. I tried and, um, <laughs> Dan, Dan Jurgens and I have a very different idea about what funny is. <laughs> let's, let's say that. That's the understatement of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just so corny and like overdone. And I know Bat might probably should be annoying. Yes. But I feel like I shouldn't be annoyed reading him. Agreed. I feel like there's a way that he should be annoying to the people he's intervening on and maybe only mildly annoying to me. But yeah. I had to I had to quit reading today. I couldn't, uh, couldn't is, do it. Is it this is gonna sound like I'm name dropping and I don't mean it that way. But last week when I was interviewing Jeff Johns for the site I, you know, I've done a couple of DC interviews now during the day. On Thursdays and Fridays, I'm a stay-at-home dad. And so I said to them, like, my daughter is watching Frozen in the next room. And so if you hear her making noise, I apologize. And John said, well, is she a Wonder Woman fan? And to which I said, yes, I just recently bought her a Wonder Woman, like, stuffed stuffed doll, and she loves it. And I felt like saying, like, well, yeah, if you're trying to go after young fans, then to me, Batmite isn't the book to do that. Like... I don't know how my daughter knows who Batman is. I could show her a Batman kids book. I couldn't show her a Batmite book without a lot of explanation. And same with Bizarro. Those are my problem. These characters, like they look like characters you like, but they're not those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Bizarro makes infinitely more sense to me than Batmite does. Oh, absolutely. But imagine trying to read Bizarro to a child. I just think you know. I agree with you on Batmite, but I don't know about Bizarro. To me, if you look at Bizarro, you can just think, oh, he's a lovable opposite Superman. That's all you have to say. That's fair. You know, I mean, it might be an oversimplification of what Bizarro actually is. But for this book, it works. For the purposes of this book, which I believe is a six-issue mini. It is. That's all you need to know. He's just a lovable, doofus version of Superman. Mm -hmm. That's opposite. (laughs) But Batmite, I mean, I I agree with you there. It's like, well, how do you, especially when he's going around, quote unquote, fixing superheroes, that gets far too like meta and yeah, and close to home mm-hmm. to being a a rabid comic book fan than than you can really get with an all ages type book. Agreed. Uh, anything else from week two? Uh, well, Deathstroke is still a travesty. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. I didn't like Lost Army as much as I kind of hoped to. Yeah, same. I thought it was pretty rote. I mean, it was. Yeah, it's your average. I thought it was fine. You know, I feel like it's on the same track that Green Lantern Corps has been running on for years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of week three, was maybe the strongest week for me in terms of uh, books. Because of the trifecta of uh, Grayson, which remains 
to me, one of the best books being published. And Martian Manhunter. And also it had um, Catwoman. And all three of those yeah, were incredibly strong to me. Those are all really good. I would maybe even throw, um, I would throw Robin in there with those mm-hmm. as well. I really enjoyed that one, so just I, because I really like Gleason's art. I love Gleason's art. I just, I worry about him as a as a script. Yeah, writer. yeah. I did I did the review for that one, and it was it very much felt. I don't mean to like sound negative towards artists writing books like i don't think it's a bad idea in theory but um to me that particular book felt very much like an artist writing a book you know i that sounds horrible but but if it's it felt like it was catered to um the art that he wanted to draw more so than um the actual story being of any interest or depth you know yeah mm-hmm. i mean it also this week also had a uh, new suicide squad mm. which is you know a real train wreck as well and it had the batman superman preview which really didn't do anything for me yeah that was after i guess so well, no. So I guess the Superman preview was in the no, that, Free Comic Book Day. Yeah, so, so we we had already seen, seen that. Yeah, so we had seen that. And we had seen Action Comics, which were both really good. And then this one came out, and it was the first one that was kind of like, as far as like this new Superman status quo, and it was just kind of, eh. Yeah. Um, I don't think enough great things could be said about Genevieve Valentine's run on Catwoman. Oh God, I just reread that. Um, cause I recommended it to Alice mm-hmm. and, and I thought it was good to begin with and I reread it and, oh my God, is that good? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's insane. And they did it, She did it in like one issue, just turned Selena's world upside down into something else entirely. Yeah. And it just works beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that's maybe one of the best things that has come out of like the the eternal like all of the things that have kind of spun out of that between you know it and uh gotham by midnight and mm-hmm. arkham manor which you know isn't really a thing anymore but that's the one that's like yeah that that was worth it that was good absolutely yeah, you mentioned um sort of the gotham books i think gotham academy i still think the book is great but that was not the best use of a preview yeah if you're not reading that book already i don't see that preview giving you any reason to read that book yeah Yeah. and i and i reviewed that one and i think i actually maybe rated it a little high um just based on the art um and probably you know maybe a little bit of my own bias even shown through there because yeah the as far as a preview goes it it was a fun read but it was a really bad preview I think Martian Manhunter looks promising. That was actually probably my favorite preview that week. Um, that one really surprised me. I kind of wish they would do something with him that isn't just the white Martian again. Yeah. That seems to always be the villain that pops up in his stories, but I guess you have to start someplace that that's where it makes sense to start from. 
I just, I thought the dialogue in that preview was just top notch. I don't even actually, I'd have to pull it up and like look through it again to remember what it was I liked about it. Um, there was the one line that was great about how like, it was very Dr. Manhattan-ish about how like all of time exists at once for him mm-hmm. and how he always feels like screaming. Yes. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was just so well done. I really liked yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very interesting um, take on Martian Manhunter. Um, it did a good job of differentiating him and making him interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And Grayson is just one of the best comics being put out every month. Yeah. That scene with him talking to the kid about Batman <laughs> was so great. I mean, just absolutely great. Oh, I wanted to mention or bring up you. You had listed Teen Titans as one. Brian, you had listed Teen Titans as your biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was wondering, like, what what your thoughts were on that because I, you know, I did enjoy it more than I have a Teen Titans book in a while. I guess here was where the surprise came for me. And I'm sure you both have heard me say this before because we hosted a DC podcast together. <laughs> but to me, the property that best represents DC is not Superman or Batman. It's the Teen Titans. That at its core, the Teen Titans, when they are firing on all cylinders, DC is firing on all cylinders. I think every great era of DC Comics is a great Teen Titans book happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And not that this is a great Teen Titans book. But this, to me, felt like the team actually cared about each other for the first time in the New 52 onward, if not mm-hmm. even a little bit pre-New 52. Um, I just feel like there was there was a bond there that felt real. And to me, that's so important to the property, is that more than any other DC team, these guys are a family. And I was pleasantly surprised by how familial it felt. It was not perfect. You know, I I think uh, Ken Rockefeller is an interesting artist. I don't think he's a great artist for this property. Um, But it surprised me in so much. I expect I I opened the book thinking, oh, great, here we go. (laughs) And I didn't leave it feeling that way. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I, I agree. I felt the same way. Mm. Um, can we talk about Batman Beyond? Did I? I'm sorry, I forgot. Sure. Did either of you read that this week? I read that today. You did, and Zach? I I flipped through it. I haven't read it. Okay, all the way. Um, I know what happens at the end. So yeah. <laughs> um, I I again, I couldn't get through it. Um, and Bernard but, Chang is so talented. Oh, I know, um, yeah. I know. It, it breaks He's my heart. Perfect that, fit for the book. Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of why I wanted to bring it up because and Marcelo Mayolo, I I think Mayolo Mm -hmm. is how he pronounces the colorist's name. He's the best colorist that no one's talking about. Yeah, that guy does great, great work, and no one's talking about how great he is. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, sorry, Vince. Go ahead. No, no, that's that's great. Um, I just wanted to talk about Batman Beyond in general and where they've taken it. Is anyone else bummed that it's like not? 
Terry McGinnis anymore, and they they chose to take it in this direction. It seems like it's a poor decision for both the Batman Beyond property and Tim Drake as a character. I don't see who benefits from this. Right. Well, they at least they do kind of get to... We're getting another Tim Drake. We're not losing the Tim Drake we already have. Because yeah. of, you know, time shenanigans. Oh, oh we're not losing that subpar Tim Drake? No. We're gaining a second no. subpar Tim Drake? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> hey, no, you he, just complimented the Teen Titans, my friend. I did, well, but no, still... I, he, was, he was in Eternal. He was in Eternal. That's true. He, he was, was in Eternal. There. Yeah, you're right. Um, so at least there's that. It'd be different if, you know, this was sealing the character off to this bizarre, you know, choice. That's true. Um, I, I might be trying to have my cake and eat it too because I think I just said earlier in the show that I appreciated that there were multiple versions of these characters. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm saying I want just the one back. Well, no, but I mean, your point's valid because while we aren't losing a Tim Drake, we are losing Terry. Um, Terry, yeah. yeah. And I think more people that are fans of Batman Beyond are fans of Terry than fans of the costume. Yeah. It seems like it's a wrong-headed approach to try and fix something that's not broken. Well, and this this is also... This is a Future's End sequel more so than it is a... Yeah. um, You know, true Batman. You you can't see it, but I'm making the jacking off hand motion right now because (laughs) I was so burned by the end of Future's End. You know, that's just... (laughs) Future's End sequel is like, you know, hey, you want another prostate exam? You know, it's just <laughs> not an appealing uh, thought. Okay, but but I, I have to also say I appreciated it as a Future's End plot point. I'm just not sure I wanted it to be the status quo of Batman Beyond going forward. Yeah. You know, I mean, is that fair? Yeah. Which of us reviewed that preview? Was that was that Zach? Uh, yeah, it was me. Did you? And you enjoyed it, it looked, right? I said it looked really pretty and had awkward scripting. Yeah. Which, which, let me talk about that, by the way. So I know the Batman Beyond universe has this like um, future lingo, like mm-hmm. slang, slang speaking to it, but I'm not sure whether. Dan Jurgens thinks that young people talk like that today or whether he's trying to go for that slang. Yeah. Sometimes it, I wonder. Here's an old man reference. I'm going to call it a crockwork orange. Cause it's like the same bullshit dialogue from a clockwork orange, but it's a crock. <laughs> there so. you go. I like it. Um, right. Anything else for week three? No, that's good. Yeah. All right, let's get to week four. Let's see what week four was. That was Batgirl. Batgirl. Black. This was my favorite week. This is a pretty good week, actually, looking at it now. This was Let's Pander to Vince week. Except for The Flash. Oh, except for The Flash. <laughs> you have to have And one. Harley Quinn. You have to have one <laughs> letdown. Yeah. I just happened to pick bad books, I think, to review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh my god. The Flash, you guys. Nothing has made me sadder since the New 52 has started. Especially because the TV show is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yes. It just, it you know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so in my review, 
in my review, I wrote that it feels like since Jeff Johns left Barry at Flashpoint, mm-hmm. they've been trying, and even before that, but but it kind of worked under under Jeff Johns. It's like they've been trying to start Barry from point one over and over again. Like, I agree with that. Do you guys feel that too? Mm-hmm. It's like every every time I pick up the Flash, it's like, well, it's a new start for Barry Allen, you know, like I and and nothing is sticking. And the thing that I liked about Barry before um, Flashpoint was that he had this like deep and interesting extended family, and you're not getting that anymore. Yeah, that's totally gone. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is interesting, maybe that. Of all the characters, um, Barry was maybe hurt the most by the new Fifty Two, and he was the catalyst for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he did cause nine eleven. So that is true. He deserves it. <laughs> I forgot about that. Wait, what? <laughs> you have to explain that, Vince. All right. So, um, in the DC universe before Flashpoint, nine eleven was never a thing. While Marvel chose to acknowledge it and make Dr. Doom cry over it, um, DC chose to not acknowledge it because, of course, the Justice League would have been there to stop it, right? Um, but then post-Flashpoint in the New 52, they made at least two or three overt res- references to a post-9-11 world, mm-hmm. <laughs> meaning that by causing Flashpoint, Barry Allen also <laughs> caused 9-11. Never realized that. Never forget. <laughs> I will, oh my goodness. This is, is the loose that's... change of podcasts. <sighs> <sighs> All right. <laughs> but, yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, uh, Black Canary and, and Batgirl, why don't we? It's so Man, good. Both of so them. So good. Yeah. Wait, okay, which one did... Which one did you like better? Batgirl. Just as far as the previews. I think Batgirl. Yeah, me too. I got to say, I was a little... So I mentioned this in my review, but um, Black Canary is like pandering straight to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, it, it should be the book that I go wild for. But reading the actual preview, um, it's not that there was anything that I disliked about it at all. It just didn't get me amped up the way that the idea of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I'm in love with the idea of black canary and not the actual book yet. Right. And I thought it was very good, but, um, but it, the preview was a little thin for me, you know, it was like, I'm not entirely sure like why she's in a band right now and like why we're supposed to care. Um, so there was that. Yeah. I think but, that's, uh, that's part of the difficulty with an eight page preview. You don't want to give away the, the point of your book. Cause that's what number ones are for. So you have to find a way to entice a reader without telling them why they should be picking up the I mean, you have to get them to pick up the book, but they can't know why the book is interesting. Yeah. So so in other words, it was just like, this is a letter of intent about what our style is going to be. Right. But you have no idea why any of this is happening. And And usually I can look past that, but with this one, it was just so out there that I was like, well, we'll have to wait and see what the actual book does for me. Yeah, I agree with mm-hmm. that. But Batgirl was same old wonderful Batgirl to me. Um, I I I love that book. I'm head over heels for that. Yeah, 
Uh, I think Justice League United was obviously great. We talked about that a bit it's earlier. Probably, probably my pick. That it's a, it's amazing how good it was while also being literally just like eight pages of image introduction. Who's who? Yeah, like yeah. who's yeah. who in the JLU? Yeah, um, absolutely. But I mean, just look at that last that that splash page there. I mean, Orion. And Guy Gardner and Black Lightning and Blue Devil and Omac and Hawk and Dove and Mary Marvel and Ice and Fire and Bizarro and Captain Carrot and the Phantom Stranger and Vixen and I'm just like randomly picking Car- Captain Captain Adam like there are so many great characters there. Well, how are they letting him get away with this? Is what I want to know. Yeah, like he's Parker has just stormed in here and in my opinion, kind of like stolen a bit of John's thunder a little bit, you know, like I would say that this is the first contender we've had for like a justice league book that actually kind of maybe, um, surpasses or like usurps his book for, I guess, perceived importance maybe. Well, I, I do think that we're going to see, because Justice League Dark is no more and Dark Universe is going to be something, I would presume, different, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see the Justice League sort of like ethos split in thirds where John's is, is going – the John's book is going to be the, like the heart of the DCU, which is what it's mm-hmm. supposed to have been since it started. Hitch's is going to be like the marquee, big money – big fight hitches is basically the justice league movie illustrated Mm -hmm. and i think that united is going to be justice league unlimited the comic book like the the tv series as a comic book that would be wonderful that's what it is though i mean that was jlu the show was just it was an expanded roster of smaller teams for specific issues yeah and that's what i think this is gonna be there's just something about this preview that feels like there's that definitely, but then there's something that feels bigger than that too. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I know um, what you mean. It, it feels like Hickman's justice league. Yeah. It yes, does. it does. It really does. And um, I have no problem with that. <laughs> None whatsoever. I do think it's interesting to have Equinox and animal man and star girl as the core, as the only core, that seems like those are the three characters that will be in every issue, mm-hmm. and the rest of the team will fluctuate from there. I think those are really interesting characters. Um, you know, Equinox is obviously brand new; it's a little bit hard to assign too much to her. But I think Animal Man was one of the unqualified successes of the New Fifty Two, and I think Star Girl is at her best when referencing the rich history behind the cosmic staff and her name and her heritage and all that. So it's sort of this interesting mixture of New 52, pre-New 52, and DCU, YOU, coming together in a leadership triumvirate. Mm. I like that. We'll see. I also found it interesting in that preview that we saw Ray, Ray Palmer as the Atom. Oh, which we which haven't been, seen in the new Fifty Two yet. I've just been I've, waiting I've, for that. Was he not? Was he not in that uh, Lemire fill-in issue of uh, Batman Superman? Oh, maybe he was in that, but I don't think he was as the Atom. 
I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was that in Future's End, obviously. Right. Um, but in like the current timeline, we haven't seen that. You know, even like I, I think, what is her name? Godiva from Justice yeah. International. Yeah, like, she's she's in that preview. <laughs> yes, I hated yeah, that book. There, there are yeah. a lot of callbacks to early New Fifty Two stuff in here. Yeah, Booster Gold. I mean, I think actually the entire if if they could just throw the, a rocket red corpse in there, it would be everybody from that <laughs> book. Just the yeah. international. Um, but yeah, that's that's super exciting. Uh, outside of that for the week, let's see what else. Um, we are Robin is looks good but not great. Yeah, that looks interesting. I mean, I, I think I like the concept more than I'm gonna actually like the execution. Agreed. You know, um, it's just that the preview, and again, it's just an eight page preview. But yeah, there were all these street urchins running around. Uh, in the name of Robin, but we're going to need something to tether it to, you yeah. know? It can't just be newsies with text messaging. And that's <laughs> essentially what the preview was. Yeah. Um, and no Christian Bale, mind you. Uh, that's that's very true. <laughs> um, I thought, that I, I said this in my review, that by having Clark, Clark Kent say, I don't love you anymore, to Diana, that that's like, that is... That is as much a fuck you to the New 52 as anything else ever has been. And I'm excited by that. But I don't know if they have the balls to make a monthly book about a couple falling out of love. Uh-huh. But I would read that book. I mean, that's a, I have never heard of a comic like that before. If that was the premise, a superhero yeah. couple falling out of love, that's incredibly interesting to me. Or yeah. or Or is it just a case of super dickery where, like... You know, next month it's going to be he was mind controlled to say that or so. You know, not right, right. not that simplistic, but yeah, that it doesn't stick. You know, are they really going back to a Lois Lane? Uh, Maybe, probably not, since she you know kind of screwed him over. Oh, yeah. that's true. Um, well, there is that there is that girl in the in the action comics, the new LL. Yes, the new, the new LL <laughs> Lee Lee something. Yeah, Lambert Lambert. Lambert yeah. I'd be for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can just I can just hear the internet's <laughs> Superman has jungle fever bullshit oh, right now though. Gosh. Right? We can't just hear that though. That's like that's going to happen on Twitter right now. Um, <laughs> well, now that you said it, well, I search did, that. Look uh, for that hashtag. <laughs> I, I Ryan really Salvatore. Yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong. God, I hope I'm wrong. But you know, that just seems like it's. Someone out there is doing it. Yeah, or has done it. Constantine the Hellblazer. Give me that Riley Rossmo art all day long. That looks really good. And he is still on the book. He's just taking a month off, by the way. Okay. Well, I mean, Solicit didn't uh, have him on it. Vanessa Del Rey is not a bad... No, not at all. ...placement at all. But I I emailed Riley, and I I know him a little bit via Matt, and I was like, you're not off the book, are you? And he said, no, basically, this is he can finish... um, is it Rasputin? Is that the book he's on? Yeah. I think so we can finish Rasputin. He took a month off. Good. So that's fine. It, hey, that's fine by me. That is, you know, and if you're going to get a good fill-in artist, that's even better. Yeah. Um, I I, I kind of like the Cyborg preview. Yeah, I did too. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't wow you with like a completely different take on the character or completely different art. I mean, it was very much Justice League's standard which is what you would expect from yeah yeah but uh 
but just a really solid take on the character. And I like David Walker enough as a writer that I'm convinced there's even better stuff down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, the last time we talked about this, I was kind of flip floppy on it. And then around the time that the first solicit came out, I, um, kind of changed my mind a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I really enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. Uh, I love the uh, uh, the friendship between Shazam and Cyborg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know why. That's something that Johns has been teasing a lot at and hinting at, but there's never really been time to develop that in Justice League. Right. Because, I don't know, dark side or things. <laughs> um, yes, dark side or things. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, that's that's fun. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be back in just a second. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the DC3Cast. Like I said, tomorrow we'll be back with a whole other episode that will be full of wonderful, really interesting Scott Snyder observations about writing Batman, about what it means to have Bruce Wayne as Batman versus... Uh, Jim Gordon as Batman is going to be fantastic. Please, please do me a favor and follow our co-hosts on Twitter. We have uh, Zach at SirFox89, Vince at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I, and I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Please, please be back tomorrow. You don't want to miss the Scott Snyder interview. Trust me. And until next time, adios. Adios.